I poured myself the rest of this iced tea that I have because there's like only half a glass and um, I'm leaving. And I just wasn't in a wine mood today. I was like, what else do I have to drink? I have soju. I'm also not drinking wine. Actually, I should open this. Hold on. So for the puppy party, I got this. Oh, my God. Don't overflow. Okay. I, like, got a bunch of canned drinks because, like, you know, we're standing outside. So I got this Moscow Mule Cider. We've been drinking wine for so long that I forgot that, like, we didn't have to drink wine. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you know, we drink wine. And then, oh, never mind. We never said we drink wine. Crazies when I go off the rails, this is what you've done to me. Crazies how your loving makes me feel, this is what I always want to be. I like it when a girl gets crazy in bed. Don't mess with a bitch who's crazy in the head. You do. You don't want to be crazy. And you don't you do want to be crazy. To clarify, yes, no, I'm not crazy. We hope this helps! Welcome to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas. I am Cindy, and I'm here with my co-host Christine. And today, hopefully no surprise, we are coming to you with our review slash discussion slash shitposting of (laughs) the third season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I still love the show so much. Okay, Here's the thing, like, when we did season two, we were like, oh my god, season two is so good, it probably has the best songs, and, like, we thought we liked season one a lot, but season two is better, and I like season three a lot, too. I think, like season two, it might be a little front-loaded with good songs, but it is so good in the beginning, the songs, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I literally... um texted you earlier today when i was looking through the song list again and i was like oh my god season or episode two of season three is just like such a heavy hitter with great songs which i didn't realize i also think i like the plot of season three a little bit more um i guess i can like kind of get a give a quick summary although like i don't know if that's possible because so much happens yeah and it also gets a little dark like season two was great but it basically starts with Rebecca and Josh fucking and ends with Rebecca and Josh not married, which is like, it's like, okay, cool, whatever, you know, but, um, God, season three. Okay. So season two ended with Josh leaving Rebecca at the altar. And then season three starts with like her plotting her revenge, basically, except at first she has like literally disappeared from the face of the earth. Um, she eventually makes it back, plots her revenge, fails, miserably um and then instead of revenge she kind of like goes for closure and ends up like telling josh all the crazy shit she did to stalk him panics because she realizes now josh knows all her secrets so she goes into like another downward spiral shit is crazy and again there will probably be a lot of spoiler discussions listen at your own risk um (laughs) we're not really gonna try to like avoid any specific spoilers we should also note in case you don't know it yet that um this season does deal with suicide so we will be talking about that and just general like mental health issues which is pretty much the whole show so we know like last season Rebecca's like left at the altar and then all of her friends sort of like come and support her and 
to be like, yeah, Josh is an asshole. And we're going to help you like get revenge back on him. What were you kind of expecting the way that this season opened? Cause I feel like it didn't open the way I thought it would. I guess I like thought that they were going to be on the revenge train, but instead like it starts off with her disappeared. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really like have a specific idea of what they were going to do, but it was kind of like everybody was like, yeah, we're going to band together. We're all anti-Josh. Like, fuck Josh. He's like dead man walking. And then it seemed like everyone else kind of got over Rebecca's shit real quick. Like when she makes her come back in the like white dress with the like black hair and all that. And like Paula's just kind of like, dude, chill out. And stuff like everyone kind of seems over it by then, which like to be fair, she did disappear for a long time. Um, but it wasn't really that whole like let's work together to destroy this guy sort of thing I mean, that I was expecting. I think everyone was like prepared to side with her and like kind of ghost him, um, and stuff like that. But so like it would like still kind of ruin his life, I guess, because like he would just mm-hmm. be like totally isolated right um but i mean she came back and she was crazy she was like i have a great idea i'm gonna mail him some poop and everyone was like yeah no and then she was like i have a great idea i'm gonna film a fake porno with a fake josh but the real me and everyone was like no don't do that don't do that i just want to say british josh was hilarious (laughs) like whoever came up with that plot point i was i thought that was great (laughs) He cut his hair for the role, too, and then he (laughs) never even got to act in it. Yeah, Yeah. I do like the first song, though, because, I don't know, I love the costumes and, like, the fake town. (laughs) It's such a, like, wild, um, they just, like, dove straight into that for, like, no reason. And, like, the Tower of Terror-looking-ass hotel thing that she's staying in. Yeah. I was like, this is just so extra like i don't even know what (laughs) so we start season three where like no one knows where rebecca is because she disappeared after the wedding and i guess like the town is so small that there's a trending twitter hashtag called where's rebecca bunch and then they do it in this like colonial williamsburg kind of set um and like paul is riding in a carriage and like valencia and heather are like washing clothes and then they're just like they're like talking in weird accents and i think my favorite line is nathaniel who's like obviously still a rich guy in like a george washington wig who's getting his shoes shined by george the guy who's like who no one knows his name and um and i think his line is like the jewish girl that got dumped by the rich filipino but then he like he rolls the R's, but he rolls the L's basically in Filipino. And it's just hilarious. I don't know. I really like that line. It's definitely my favorite. <laughs> if this were a stage musical, it feels like it could be an opening number. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they kind of really hammered home the like, what's a woman without her man thing or whatever, which I was like, okay. Like it, it seemed a little heavy handed in that aspect. But I like the <laughs> counterpoint to that with let's generalize about men. Um, which is just a great song all around, I think. I had such a girl crush on Heather this season. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this the first time I watched it, but she's just awesome. 
Yeah. I mean, she really doesn't get that much screen time in season one at all. And like season two, she gets some when she does the whole um, Miss Douche and moving in and like the friend Topia stuff. But I think this season, she really shines. Like I love Heather's mannerisms and she's so sarcastic and then also twice in this season she does that thing where like like paula and valencia keep on like trying to like, cheer up rebecca and back her up and they're like you go girl blah 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 and then and then heather's always like what else are we gonna say that we never say <laughs> another supportive girl thing and i love all of those she's so funny so they did a round of concerts um one of which was in la they like went on tour and during that concert, Bella Lavelle, who plays Heather, like was in a play in L.A. So she couldn't make it to the concert. So they had David Hull, a.k.a. White Josh, sing her part in Let's Generalize About Men. And he like <laughs> did all the dances and stuff. It was great. I'll post the link. Why do men never listen and only think about themselves? As opposed to women who always listen and never think about themselves. Ooh, I hear you, girl. Let's generalize about men. Let's generalize about men. Let's get super lit and not admit this is some kind of primal ritual we need now and then. Maybe our spirits will rise if we generalize about men. Episode two, like I said earlier, I love all the songs in this episode um the first one is i mean tell us what josh does first right so well at the end of season two we remember josh like ran off did we know that he was joining the priesthood at the end of season two because i don't i don't that was i don't remember but now it is but he basically is like wow father bra has his whole life together i want to be like father bra and i'm gonna be a priest now and everybody's kind of like what the fuck josh um which is also part of the reason i think this is such a good song because this is basically when he's like first joining the seminary and um before he actually gets started with like priest training or whatever and um priest school as they call it um but this song definitely like grew on me a lot like i didn't think much about it when i first saw it also fun fact um vinny choreographed this himself and it has some great choreography too but it's just like a really funny way of showing how much josh doesn't understand what he's doing and stuff and just like it's kind of sacrilegious in a sense um because josh is so dumb that he doesn't really realize what he's saying i guess but i mean he's like what does he say well he's like i've got my head in the clouds um no obligations are holding me down that's what religion is for which i thought was great um and he's like Reality was so getting so complicated. All the drama was getting insane. But now I've given my life to Mr. Jesus Christ. So I'm speeding down the carpool lane. God's my easy pass. And um, like stuff like that. And then he just does a tap routine with the quote unquote Holy Ghost, who is basically just a guy with a like sheet over him and two eyes painted <laughs> in, which is how Josh apparently envisions the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so it's just i don't know there's a lot of great stuff in there yeah and he keeps saying stuff like i can't wait to be a priest so i don't have to feel guilty about leaving rebecca at the altar anymore 
And then, like, the priests, like, the actual, like, church authorities are, like, completely in the know of what's going on. And they're like, my son, if you're doing this because you're feeling guilty, you should not do it because (laughs) priest school is six years of school. And then you have to go to some random country and shadow some other priest for a year and a half and do all this shit. And Josh is like, I'm totally ready for this. He he's doing that because he's trying to avoid his responsibilities. And Rebecca's going into like a spiral. Yeah, so she's tried the porn, she's tried the poop. The poop got sent back to her, got returned to sender because Josh is at church. Uh, so at work. Oh yeah, so the the whole company is like, how can you like destroy this restaurant? The owner there gives me like free broccoli all the time and there's like everyone just loves this guy and um nathaniel's like i don't give a fuck this is my job i was hired to destroy them and then rebecca like sees this while she's in the office and then she's like yeah nathaniel knows to have knows how to be like a ruthless piece of crap and like nathaniel is still like dreaming about her since their elevator kiss so she shows up at his house in like a trench coat which is never good and presumably like jumps on him (laughs) (laughs) this song is like if people ever wonder what is like characteristic of fossey choreography all you really need to do to understand it is just like watch this song because it (laughs) does all the things basically so strip away my conscience is like already kind of a it's like a double entendre and she's literally stripping also the entire time my favorite is that one backup dancer that's like aggressively throwing shoes at Nathaniel. <laughs> oh yeah. Cuz they're like you're a soul-sucking corporate piece of trash and then just like throws a stiletto at his face. <laughs> it's like not even Rebecca throwing the shoes. It's like this random backup dancer. It like like she just has this unexplained grudge against him, which is hilarious. And then we we talked about this in like our season one review, but then we cut it out because we couldn't ruin it. But it's the when we were trying to come up with examples for when censorship censorship brought us better lyrics. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically there was a line where she was going to say, I'm so wet. And then CBS would not let her say it, I guess. Um, so they did a lot of the source thing, I'm assuming. <laughs> And um, and they came up the line, let me choke on your cocksuredness. I think that, like, if you just made a poll of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend fans about Best Line, this would probably be, like, near the top. Really up there. Yeah. And she rhymes it with luridness, which is even better. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. So, fantastic song. And then at the end, and then she talks about how thongs are uncomfortable and then she throws it at him. And then she says, that was just up my butt, which is exactly how thongs are. Yep. So that's how thongs work. <laughs> yeah, baby, you're a soul-sucking corporate piece of trash who only cares about sex, lies, and cash. So tell me about your sins and shock me with their lurdness. Let me be your pupil. Let me choke on your cocksuredness. In you and oh.
Strip away my conscience, tear away my Jew guilt, kiss around my sense of right and wrong, but not on it, it's sensitive. Baby, it's such foreplay when you slither like a moray. It's worth the discomfort of my thoughts. So I guess we kind of started this whole like expanding the universe in season two. Um, and so I used to watch this show with my roommates when it was coming out. We'd like watch it on TV together. And the buzzing from the bathroom, which is the next song in this episode, which is just like so out of left field. Basically, there's this whole office side plot about how Tim does not know how to pleasure a woman. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, every time after we have sex, she goes into the bathroom and uses her electric toothbrush. And Paula is just like, you dumbass, that's not an electric toothbrush she's using. And Also, it's like his wife of 11 years or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his poor wife. Um, and... He sings this song in like perfect falsetto in like a parody of empty chairs at empty tables. And my roommate was like so outraged on the fact that they've been just sitting on this guy's singing talent for like two years where he's had like maybe five lines total in this show. And he was like, how have they just had this guy like in the cast, just in the background and never like had him sing a song before now? They just hired him for a sex joke for four (laughs) years. So after the strip away my conscience stuff, she's like, listen, I want you to help me get back at Josh because I know you're a nasty person. And in return, I will have sex with you because I know you want me. And he was like, okay. Um, And then the next day, he like does like the super old school thing and sends a black box to her desk (laughs) um, with like a and like the delivery man is like a tall guy in a tuxedo and then inside is like lingerie a pair of heels and like a beautiful floor-length gown and then it's like meet me at the rooftop and she's like wow this is so awesome and she reacts like so nonchalant to me that it just seems like she gets this all the time or like she (laughs) used to get it all the time in new york and i was like what the fuck and then anyways she it's like this really pretty black dress i'm pretty sure and she shows up on the rooftop in like a red dress and then like nathaniel's like you look oh where's the dress i got you and she's like yeah that she's like i donated that to a middle school theater program because (laughs) only a 13 year old could fit into it and then and she's like don't even talk to me about the bra you sent me it was like two pieces of tissue being held together by dental floss or like something to that degree and he was like yeah this is not really sexy right now (laughs) and then a helicopter picks them up which like and ruins her hair her dry bar of teeny i remember this really vividly because one of my friends um had her like 21st birthday at dry bar which is super random but she really (laughs) wanted that so like we booked out dry bar and we all went there and got our hair done and then later that night, we got drunk and she called Drybar like from Google Maps and then thanked them on voicemail at like 3 a.m. She was like, I just want to thank you for making my birthday incredible. And we were all like, no, don't do this. <laughs> That's, oh man. The helicopter drops them off at a place that can't be too far off because they're just with other, like another bunch of like SoCal but not LA people. <laughs> and then it's a masquerade ball she freaks out and she, like he's basically like this is all these are all really rich republicans so you can talk to them about anything except school zones and all this other shit and then like 
she's talking to wives and then he's talking to husbands, I guess. Wait, I actually forgot how funny this scene was because, like, you get, like, split clips of, like, him talking to the husbands and it's all, like, various serious business. And her talking to the wives is basically her, like, low-key insulting everyone that's there. And at the end, he's like, okay, I think it's time to go. And she's like, yeah, I cannot talk to these people any longer or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) She's, like, too woke for them. So, yeah, they go home. They have great sex. They wake up the next morning. Oh, and, like, Nathaniel, there's, like, a lot of, like, undertone of, like, Nathaniel being in love with her because she's, like, oh, why did you take up my offer? And he's, like, ah, you know, just the sex. But it's, like, obviously he's lying. She's, like, so tell me exactly what you did to ruin Josh's life. And then turns out Nathaniel was going to kill his grandfather, deport his dad, and get his sister kicked out of grad school or something like that. (laughs) Like, it does hurt him, but just not in the way that Rebecca's looking because... It's just not, like, how you want to get revenge on your ex. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rebecca makes Nathaniel undo it all because she's still kind of a decent person. I mean, this is what the spiral is, right? Is that, like, she's not a terrible person in the fact that she wants people killed. But she's just, like, really betrayed and hurt and, like, doesn't... Has never, like, found healthy outlets for her emotion because her mom was a terrible mother and her dad was pretty much worse. So she just, like, does not know how to handle feelings like that. So she ends up going to Josh's priest school to find closure. And the setup for this song is also amazing because it starts with Josh being in church and then the actual priest or whomever is like, would you like to pass around the offering basket today? And then he was like, Ooh, can I do like the wine for communion? And then the priest is literally like, no, it's offering basket or nothing. <laughs> and then, so he ends up having to pass around the offering basket. And then every time someone like puts money in there, he's like, thank you, my son. And then the actual priest is like, ease up on the my son my son (laughs) (laughs) and then rebecca just busts into church with her wedding dress on and then she's like i'm here to give you a piece of my mind and josh is like we're in church and the actual priest is like yeah lady like we're in church we already all know that josh is only here because he feels guilty so like you don't have to do this we don't want to hear this chill out (laughs) and then like one random person at mass is like i want to hear this (laughs) And she's like, thank you. And then she literally like nods at the church pianist. And then he starts playing for her, which is pretty cool. I just like to imagine her like pre-planning this whole thing, like giving the church pianist the sheet music (laughs) and stuff. And she's like, here's $20,000. Yeah. I mean, she keeps throwing around 10Ks like they're nothing. So, okay. So she busts into church and she sings, after everything you made me do, which is the same song as After Everything I've Done For You, sung by Paula. But I actually like this one better because the lyrics are so much more aggressive. It like really gets my anger out. <laughs> I like the um, original one better as like a performance. But I think this one like really fits the scene well because she basically just starts ranting about like, like, if you needed a recap on everything that happened, every, like, dumb slash crazy thing she's done for the past two seasons, like, this is it. And she's just like, yeah, screw the meter. Like, I'm just going to keep ranting about 
random shit that you made me do quote unquote um and so it like and, it fits the scene really well but i i enjoy the other performance more because it's like more of a number i guess yeah i can see that and like the song like i think like paula's voice also fits the song a little better and stuff but like i'm just the lyrics in this version are just so fantastic Oh, my favorite line, and also just because like I like Nathaniel, has to be, you gave me that worthless proposal, and not even two weeks later, I made out with my boss when we got stuck in an elevator. And she also like belts that line, and it's like, it's so great, because I was just like, oh, yeah, I would make out with Nathaniel too if I were engaged to Josh. <laughs> I like how she's doing this under the premise of like, you made me make out with Nathaniel in the elevator. <laughs> she finishes her rant and walks out of the church back to her car and then immediately has a panic attack because she realizes that she confessed to all these crazy and illegal things and she's like oh my god i told josh all these like incriminating things about myself how could i do that and then when josh comes back to town and tries to like rat her out hector is like josh why would we believe you like rebecca's a smart lawyer you really think she would tell you all these incriminating things (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile paula's decided that the best way to get back at josh is by suing him paula's just like super excited to like be a lawyer have a lawsuit <laughs> like, yeah. yeah yeah rebecca's like i don't know if this is gonna make me feel better and she's like it will i promise you i just want to be a lawyer and then she even lists out the benefits she's like this is the best lawsuit of my life we're doing good work this is feminism at work rebecca can you believe that in six to twelve months he'll be due for a one to six hundred dollar fine <laughs> <laughs> And everyone is just like, oh, no, like, fuck the judicial system. So after that whole, like, weird masquerade assassin attempt thing with Nathaniel, um, the next episode, Nathaniel goes through, like, a lot of sad boy issues, I guess. First of all, he sings I Go to the Zoo, which is another fantastic song. Such a good song. Such a good song. Which, like, I feel like... It's, like, not even as big of a deal now, but that was when, like, Hotline Bling was top of the charts was when this came out. Basically, Nathaniel's obsessed with Rebecca after that one time where they had, like, sex because of their assassination deal. And um, he's he's in love with her, so he invites her to his house for dinner, and George is there, like, being the butler or something. (laughs) And then... And Rebecca's like a no-show because her life is falling apart. So he freaks out. And then this is such a good example of the show. Like, basically, like, the song starts with he's like, oh, I'm drinking alone and I feel so bad. So I hit the club and there's girls dancing on me. And then he's already doing, like, weird Drake dabbing moves anyway. That in itself, I would completely believe as, like, a funny, crazy ex-girlfriend song. Like, if that was all that song was and it was just him doing weird Drake dabbing impressions for an entire song, I would have been totally happy with it. I would be like, that checks out. That's a crazy ex-girlfriend kind of song. But then instead, he goes to the fucking zoo. And it's so good. And my favorite thing about it is just he keeps on saying hi to the animals. He's like, the kangaroos are my boys. And then he does like chest pumps and stuff. And... um and then he's like, oh, and then he's like, my favorite are the cheetahs, but I don't mess with no zebras. And then he also goes to the aquarium, which you may notice has a lot more syllables than zoo. But he just <laughs> he just he just fits into the same melody. He's like, I go to the aquarium. And I'm like, that's right. Well, my favorite part <laughs> is like 
He's like, next night I got this bitch up in my Rari. We drink in Chris, we eat in calamari. She tried and give me neck my, this life insane, but there's only one thing that can ease my pain. I tell her, get the fuck out, that I go to the zoo in San Diego. It's really such a better zoo. But yeah, I mean, I think this is like sort of where I started to really like Nathaniel. It's like a little bit manipulative on the show's part, I guess. But like, it doesn't feel that way. But it's definitely like that same trope of like bad boy who's just really sad and messed up at heart but just the way that they approach it with like you know songs like this and stuff i just think they did a pretty good job of making it not seem as stereotypical as it is i guess next night i got this bitch up in my rari we drinking chris we eating calamari she trying to give me neck this life insane but there's only one thing that can ease my pain i tell her get the hell out then i go to the zoo in san diego it's really such a better zoo my favorite's probably the cheetahs but i ain't messing with no zebra later on he does this whole thing where um he like bursts into rebecca's apartment or something and he's like i just want to be with you like come with me i have a private jet we can fly to rome we can go anywhere you want and rebecca's like hell yeah let's get out of here and then um (laughs) like paula and valencia and um heather burst in because this is where that like one document thing that trent came up with last season the top secret because he like yeah rebecca's rebecca bunches past (laughs) rebecca bunches past like basically paula gets a hold of it and she's like holy shit this is a lot i need to talk to rebecca and it's just really funny because they're bursting in as rebecca is literally trying to climb nathaniel like a tree and she's just like she's just like trying to get him to like carry her and she's like hanging from his neck and she's like we're going to rome we're going to paris let's go just take me away (laughs) and that that whole scene is just it's such a like well orchestrated scene she's like basically trying to pull on nathaniel's neck like reins she's like let's go just go around them just go around them and nathaniel's like hold on a second what is this shit about you burning down robert's house like so yeah her past comes out she freaks out um and then like her defense mechanism is just attacking everyone else, I guess. So, like, she felt she tells Paula that she has no life. She tells Valencia that no one will ever love her. And she just basically attacks everyone and then, like, runs out the door, not even to the Tower of Terror Hotel, but to, like, a youth hostel where she <laughs> sleeps in a bunk bed. This is, like, episode four now, which I don't, it's not necessarily, like, one of my favorite episodes, but it's definitely an episode that stands out a lot because it's the horror movie one yeah the horror movie because they have like a whole intro sequence they have a whole credit sequence where like everything in the credits is done by rebecca bunch which is hilarious i guess the video editors for this episode must have had so much fun with like putting together this episode because they have all the like jump cuts and the like sound effects and the you know like like the camera angles and and all of that and like like make stuff look scary that like doesn't are not scary <laughs> it's like like there's that one scene where um josh is having dinner with his family like next to this like giant window and rebecca's like covered from head to foot in like this giant sort of like ivy costume thing she's just like she's a, she's a, she's walking a bush, bush. <laughs> yeah and it's, like, 
And like when you see it from like Josh's perspective, it's like, you know, that like scary rustling and like there's shadows moving outside. But then you see it from like Rebecca's perspective and she's just like waving around her arms like a dumbass. In a bush costume. <laughs> yeah. Because so Rebecca's like reenacting her imaginary horror movie and like living out her dreams or whatever. It's and- because she's at a hostel with a Swedish guy or something. <laughs> yeah. They start Y'all. talking about movies and she's like, oh, you know what would get back at um, Josh if I reenacted a horror movie? And Jarl is literally like, yeah, but you know, at the end of all the horror movies, the monster dies, which is like major <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> So Rebecca, like, is still friends with Josh's mom. So she takes Josh's mom to a carnival and they're having fun. But she sends Josh, like, a threatening note that's like, hey, I have your mom. Oh, she also does um, make him lose his job by framing him for stealing from the Aloha store, which might have been, like, one of her better revenge plots, to be honest. Mm. And um, so Josh goes to the carnival freaking out and then he gets super mad at Rebecca and he's like, I hate you. Stay away from my family. If I ever see you coming near me or my family again, I'm going to like call the police, whatever. And so that just like makes her so fucking sad. And she's too scared to reach out to her friends because she insulted all of them. So she books a flight back to her mom. Well, wait, no. Well, so what I was going to say is... um. Because before, there's, like, two major things. Well, two things I want to talk about before that. Um, the first one is, like, my other favorite part of this episode is, like, while Rebecca is reenacting her the horror movie of her dreams, she, um, like, all her other friends are looking for her. And uh, and they, they do this kind of, like, split into unusual pairings sort of thing. And Heather and Hector are together. And they, like, barely know each other. But then Heather realizes he has, like, baby soft arms and that kicks off a relationship apparently um but i thought paula and valencia were actually super funny together because um paula says something like i knew i should have microchipped her just like i did with you or something like that and valencia's like excuse me what and paula's like yeah you have a microchip in your shoulder like it's turned off right now so don't worry you're fine and valencia's like what and paula's like hey put it this way like if you ever get kidnapped for sex trafficking, I can find you. <laughs> and it's just like, Paula, what? Also, the only reason that um, Hector even touches, sorry, that Heather even touches Hector's soft arms is because they hear like a wolf howl and then she gets scared and they hug. And that wolf howl is actually Rebecca howling in Josh's backyard to scare him. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> um, but so the other, the main... So she sings like a fake intro song for her movie, which is whatever. Uh, but the other main song in this episode is uh, The End of the Movie, which is sung by Josh Groban. And it's literally just like a, it's basically like an over credits song, essentially like the credits within her imaginary movie. And it's like her being really sad. She like feels like she's isolated all her friends. Josh is like, basically one second away from slapping her with a restraining order on like him and his family and so she it's just like a long pan of her walking down the street and you just hear josh groban like voiceover and me and my roommates like screamed when this happened and the whole song is basically like oh well life's not like a movie it's not like super neat and tidy like movies are 
And he says, like, but the truth is, sometimes you're the lead and sometimes you're an extra just walking by in the background, like me, Josh Groban. And, like, right at this moment, you just see Josh Groban, like, standing on the sidewalk in the, like, side of the frame as Rebecca's walking by. And we were just like, what? Like, we, like, immediately paused, I think, and just, like, rewound 30 seconds to watch it again. And... And the way that he sings, he's like, like me, Josh Groban. And he's like, just like belts it. And there was like an interview where Rachel Bloom said she like when she was working with Josh Groban, it was she was like, oh, is that the first time that someone's made you like belt your own name? And he was like, no. <laughs> and she was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even part. surprised. <laughs> The saddest part about this is that because Josh Groban has like specific album licensing deals, it's like not on the um, soundtrack for the show. Because this is basically like Rebecca hitting rock bottom where she doesn't think any of her friends like her. She ends up at a bar and through a series of events that doesn't really... She just like makes more bad decisions and ends up sleeping with Greg's dad, which is wild in so many ways. The last line of the end of the movie is um, people aren't characters. They're complicated and their choices don't always make sense. That being said, it's really messed up that you banged your ex-boyfriend's dad. (laughs) So yeah, so then she decides to go home to her mother because she has nothing left for her in West Covina. Or so she thinks, at least. Right. We tell ourselves that we're in a movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Each one of us thinks we got the starring role. Roll, roll, roll. But the truth is sometimes you're the lead and sometimes you're an extra. Just walking by in the background like me, Josh Groban. Because life a gradual series of revelations that occur over a period of time and then she goes home and her mom is like still her old judgmental self and then like she's like expecting retaliation and rebecca's just like yeah okay whatever like you're totally right you're always right and then she like falls asleep with her laptop and then her like mom walks over and looks at her laptop and she's been googling like the nine least painful ways to kill herself or something. So her mom mm-hmm. obviously freaks out and then um, goes and makes a strawberry milkshake, which is apparently a major deal because she never lets Rebecca eat. Completely out of character for her selfish mom, basically. In the milkshake are like antidepressants or whatever. So like she's feeling much better that she doesn't even notice how out of character her mom's being. But anyways, Rebecca finds the antidepressants that are in her strawberry milkshake. So... She confronts her mom about it and jumps on a flight back to California. As soon as the flight takes off, she calls to a flight attendant and she's like, oh my God, I have to get off this plane. I booked a flight back to California because I hate New York, but I just found out that everyone in California hates me. So just like drop me off in Iowa or something. (laughs) And then she's like, yeah, we can't do that, but you can fly to California and then get on a flight to Iowa. And she's like, I just don't want to do things right now. Well, my favorite part of that is the flight attendant's like, we can't do that, but we can get you a free glass of wine. I have this really nice Merlot that's the only one we have. Oh my god, I also just saw this like t- 
TikTok that was like about Jesus turning water into wine. And then it's like all the disciples were like, oh my God, it's Merlot again. Can you do anything <laughs> else? And then they're like, hey, Jesus, can you do a Shiraz? Can you do a Malbec? And Jesus is like, nope, nope, I can't do that one either. No, can't do that one. Nope, sorry, I can't do that one. Nope, can't do that one. He's like, ooh, I can do a Pinot Noir. And everyone's like, no, we don't want that. <laughs> Anyways, she ends up using that airplane wine um, to wash down, like, the rest of the antidepressants or whatever mm-hmm. that she stole from her mom. So she, like, overdoses on that and then starts, like, fading out. And then she tells the flight attendant, she's like, I need help. After that, she is in a hospital in West Covina. In this same episode, while Rebecca's with her mom, the law office is going through this whole situation where Nathaniel is, again, like... A sad boy and nathaniel hires um this other girl cornelia who is basically like everything a lawyer should be and she does like everything on time she like treats him with respect and he's like wow and it all sort of like culminates in this one scene where they're at this like vacation resort because they need to get a certain property line or sight lines to tell if it's like an oceanfront view before Cornelia shows up, Nathaniel is like, this is the replacement for Rebecca. And the whole office has like insane expectations for her. And they're like, oh my God, is she going to be this like Rebecca? And Daryl's like, is she going to consult my personal life like Rebecca? And then like, <laughs> and then what's the girl's name? Maya. I never, Maya. Maya's like, is she going to steam vaginas with me like Rebecca? And they're just like all like freaking out. And then Cornelia walks in. And literally, like, the only thing she has in common with Rebecca is, like, Rebecca's New York outfit. Like, she shows up with, like, that bob haircut and, like, a corporate business formal outfit. And everyone was like, oh, my God, she's exactly like Rebecca. (laughs) And everyone is just, like, going crazy at her. And Cornelia freaks the fuck out. So Nathaniel is like, I have to go check out this resort for a lawsuit. Would you like to come with me? And she's like, oh my god, take me. Yeah. Um, But like, my favorite scene in this is when they're, like, they're standing in the pool, and Nathaniel also really misses Rebecca, but he, like, pretends that he's just like, oh, good riddance, she was a terrible lawyer, whatever. And then Cornelia sings this, like, basically a mini song called i feel like this isn't about me which is actually really funny because um first of all she has the bartender with his like drink shaker as a maraca as backup and then um while the rest of the law office is like arguing with paula she's just kind of like why am i here what is my purpose i don't think this is about me anymore i don't think it ever was and she just kind of like disappears after that. Yeah, she's like, this fight is clearly about some other girl. And then the bartender is just like echoing her and he's like, this isn't about her. And then because the, the summit bar is like, or the entire resort is like Brazilian themed. She's like, this place reminds me that I should go to that Brazilian steakhouse where they cut meat right at the table. And then the bartender is also like, right at the table. <laughs> and it's just so great. And then after her song finishes, she literally walks out to the horde of her co-workers still arguing in the pool. And she's like, I look forward to going back to the main office in L.A. and filing multiple human resource law, like <laughs> complaints and collecting um, my, whatchamacallit, settlement or whatever. And finally opening that bespoke yo-yo shop I've been looking forward to. And we're like, what? <laughs> Where did that come out of? Ba, 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 ba. I'm not the best with social cues, 
but this one's pretty clear. This isn't about her, about her. This reminds me to try the Brazilian place with the live band and the meat on the stick that they carve. Right at the table, right at the table. Back in the hospital. And I guess it's like a good way to sort of showcase how much people do miss her. And like contrasted with her suicide, it's sort of like she doesn't think she has anyone left who likes her or anything anymore. And she just like, you know, is really depressed. But Throughout the rest of this episode, you've seen how much people really like her and want to be with her and, like, want to be her friend and stuff. And so I thought that was, like, a good... Like, the way that they played that was really well. But, um, yeah, so then she, like, wakes up in the hospital and all her friends are basically there, too. And it's... Yeah. Really nice. Um, And they're such good friends. Like, most of them just, like, took off work for, like, two weeks to just stand in the hospital, which, like, I feel like people don't really do for you. And um, she gets diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, which kind of sends her into a separate spiral. It's also interesting because this is sort of, like, the last episode that has Josh's name in the title. And um, it's called Josh is Irrelevant, which is also fitting because you know up until now she's been obsessed with josh and everyone was kind of like oh like are you okay about josh like oh like he was such a terrible person he like drove you to this and rebecca's like i truly don't care about him anymore so it's finally like rebecca has clawed herself out of this like josh spiral that started in season one um which is and it works because the next episode is all about paula and her version of josh and the first penis she saw, which is also <laughs> such a great song that I love. Um, and it's like, because Rebecca and Paula are basically hanging out with Paula's dad, who is also kind of a shitty father, but he's like a fun guy to hang out with. So Rebecca really likes him. And Paula's just like, yeah, fuck this guy. And sees her old high school crush, Jeff Channington, which is also just like, yeah, in case you didn't realize this is her Josh Chan. Um <laughs> But the first penis I saw is just so good because it's like a Mamma Mia parody. It's done in the supermarket where they have like any sort of long, somewhat penis shaped vegetable is like very prominently displayed. One of the biggest plot points like after this is basically uh, why Josh and Daryl break up because they can't agree on the baby situation. And then Daryl kind of like needs to affirm that he broke up with white Josh for good reason because he really wants to have kids and he's like, I'm ready to have a kid. So he immediately tries to have kids and um, he like buys an egg from an egg donor. It doesn't work out. Then he sells all his shit and buys another egg and it still doesn't work out. So Rebecca offers to donate him an egg because she's like looking for charity cases because she wants to like volunteer to like make herself useful and feel better about herself since she isn't working at the moment. Meanwhile, Paula is like, hey, Daryl, you need to get your sperm tested. Are you sure you can even have a baby? Which is really mean. But also Daryl is like, I'm going to go do that right now, which is ridiculous. I would like to know who his doctor is. And then <laughs> and then he has a song called My Sperm is Healthy, which is like not totally memorable. But I actually really liked it in the show because he's just 
dancing around the office talking about how great his sperm is and then of course like all the douchebags from the office are like totally into it like jim and tim and whomever the fuck they're just like yeah let's just like kick line this right now and yeah yeah i I thought it was like a little uncomfortable so my favorite other sort of like side plot ish is how nathaniel and white josh basically become best buds because rebecca not really broke up with nathaniel because they were never really together but she was basically like i can't be with you right now and um so he's feeling really sad and then white josh even though he knew that like they couldn't stay together because of the like baby issue like white josh is still sad because he you know they had a really good relationship and stuff outside of that and so they become like workout buddies which i actually thought was just like really cute because they're both these like buff white men um and then they have this song called fit hot guys have problems too and i thought this song was great i watched it like five times the week it came out (laughs) also like they both decide they're gonna get over this breakup by like doing a shred and then nathaniel literally has like the fit master 5000 or whatever (laughs) and white josh is like i've been on a wait list to get this for my gym for months and then they end up feeling shit anyway so they go to a like a they go to a bar and they start ordering fries and they sing that song that's um i i believe it's a parody of hot girls we have problems too which is like a shit song that came out around the time that like friday came out Mm -hmm. um it was a time of like crappy internet music videos basically (laughs) and um it's like hot girls we have problems too we're just like you except we're hot and this is just the men's (laughs) version yeah and it's even better because um you know, Josh has, like, lost his job because of Rebecca, and he, like, has all these other issues. Also, his mom kicked him out of his house. Um, and so Josh shows up midway through, and you realize that he's become a stripper. And, and it like, there's this one moment where they're like, wait, are you actually here in real life, or are we just imagining you? He's like, no, I'm also really sad in this club. And they're like, cool, we can all just cry together. Also, um, he told everyone that he was a volunteer fireman because that's <laughs> his stripper persona. And then literally, like, when White Josh sees him stripping in a fireman suit, he doesn't stop for a second to, like, reprimand him, question him. He's just like, I know my friend. He's like, oh, so this is what you meant by volunteer fireman. What people think when they see us That we're so hot, it's insane When we exit a pool, we do it in slow motion But that don't mean we can't complain Cause fit hot guys have problems too Don't look at us, we're not dancing for you This is our quiet, personal time to reflect we both have almost no body fat, but we're too bummed out to talk about that. I know we look so much better than you, but fit hot guys have problems too. Rebecca and Nathaniel turn into this really antagonistic relationship because Nathaniel's mad that he she like broke up with him and then she's mad because he's mad at her and like all that i think the best song that comes out of like her turning the company against him and because she ends up suing him is Mm. 
Hot Angry Tango, which I think is a great song. I actually wasn't a huge fan of that. Really? Because it's staged so similarly to Let's Have Intercourse, but it's just like in night mode. Like the the part that I like actually thought was funny was um so they're they're basically like in actual tango outfits. Um and then they're just like really it's the horny angry tango. Um because they still want to fuck each other, but they're also mad at each other and it's like unresolved sexual tension. Um and at one point Rebecca's like, This would be better on the floor. And then it just like smash cuts to like them on the floor but still in like tango position haven't you heard like dancers who are like oh like tango is so sensual it's basically vertical sex mm-hmm. but then when they're on the ground it's like it does not work out yeah them. it's like not hot <laughs> yeah. and so instead of like horny angry tango they're like this is our horizontal tango and i was like what but yeah i thought that moment was really funny but the rest it just seemed like I don't know. It just seemed a little dragged out, I guess, to me. I guess the important part about this is that basically Rebecca also gets like um, a partnership in the company. Like they're fighting over who owns the law firm because Nathaniel won't give her her job back. And then she becomes a partner at the law firm. So she gets an office, but there's not that many offices. So she splits an office with Nathaniel and they start fucking again immediately. Yeah. Um, And During this time, Nathaniel's actually dating this other girl who he knew in college named Mona. And so he's basically like cheating on Mona with Rebecca, um, which is fun. Um, And they have like such an on the nose analogy when he and Mona go carpet shopping because they're moving in together. Because like he's with Mona, who's this like perfect, classy girl with a job who has like a healthy outset on life and like has like kind of the same background as him and then they're looking at this carpet together for their new home and she's like oh my god don't you like this carpet it's like it's perfect it's beautiful it's tasteful it's classy but like it has expression it's gonna fit in our living room perfectly like fits in our life like isn't it just perfect and then nathaniel's like yeah yeah it literally is perfect i just don't love it (laughs) yeah and i'm like well that's you (laughs) but um this episode um we're talking about episode 11 now um it like surprised me because there was a sudden like eight month time skip which I like it for me, it came out of completely nowhere. And um, I think one thing like because Heather is now pregnant with uh, Daryl's baby who Rebecca donated egg to. And like you just know, because all of a sudden she's like very pregnant. Yeah, they've done it. They never done it before. Also, like Heather's like regional manager of home base now because she right, took like yeah. a leadership program for diverse people which like her manager at home base had a really hard time conveying to her <laughs> he was like what do you call people like you and then um she's like yeah i feel like i've gotten my life together i have time for a quick favor it's just nine months right so- i think it was dr Kobian finally gets through to rebecca and they have and rebecca realizes that she is essentially like still hurting other people because she, thought- she sees mona in, oh like, yeah real life right that's right that was what it was um and so Rebecca's like, oh shit, I need to stop doing this. 
And then they have the saddest conversation in history about office supplies. It's so cute. It's so cute. I call it the highlighter breakup. (laughs) (laughs) Because they keep having sex in the office supply room. And the thing is, Jim, Tim, and Maya are watching this entire breakup happen because they're literally having it in the office cafeteria for whatever fucking reason like the lunch break room and then she's like i know i said i could get post-its and and like post-its and pencils with you for the rest of my life but i'm sorry i can't anymore and nathaniel's like but why i thought you said getting scotch tape and pens never hurt anybody and then like they're talking about all this stuff and then um and then jim tim and maya are like oh my god what's going on and one of them like isn't it obvious like our office supplier got seriously hurt or something there's like something totally random yeah um and then she's like i wish you the most juiciest brightest highlighters for the rest of your life so they break it off and then but then there's this moment at the end which there's a whole article about so rebecca goes back to nathaniel's apartment because she's still really sad about their breakup and lonely and stuff and nathaniel's also i think offers to break up with mona for her and rebecca's like no i'd like need to do this on my own or whatever but she does like consider it for a hot second, like walks up to his apartment door and she sings this reprise of face your fears. And there's this whole article on the AV club about it, which I actually thought was really interesting and I hadn't considered um, while watching it. But basically they're saying like, if you were watching this TV show, like as it aired, it's like something that only a TV show like this could do where you pull a reprise from literally two years ago. Because if you're watching a stage musical and you see a reprise, it's like, oh, yeah, I heard that, like, you know, an hour ago. But this is straight up, like, a two-year-ago song because it's from season one when Paula sings it to Rebecca about um, doing the house party. And Rebecca now sings it to herself in terms of her, like, trying to approach Nathaniel. And I thought that was a really interesting point on how sort of, like, TV shows change the way that you can also do musicals in general because it is aired across such a longer period of time. And so it just like has sort of a different emotional impact to like basically dig up a song that was like from such a long time ago. And I thought that was really a really interesting point to make as well. I've never been afraid of opening my heart. For the slightest chance at love, I'd gladly tear my life apart. But now I finally have a sense of who I am inside. So do I risk it all again? Or do I run and hide? Uh, the next episode is just entitled Trent? Question mark, exclamation mark. Yeah. And then in the first season, he came in with the sexy getting ready song. But then in this season, he comes in with I'm just a boy in love. I love his rendition because it's basically the same thing as Rebecca's version in season two. But he only has two backup dancers instead of like six backup dancers. So he can't even do like the full production. And he's like, not... (laughs) A good dance, like none of them are good dancers. Trent is like, I know that 
he's like, I have a dark web alert on your IP address. And I know you tried to put a hit out on Mona, even though you canceled it right away. And then blackmails her. Um, and then Rebecca needs like a way to blackmail him back so that she can get him off her back. So she asks Paula to like do her illegal stalking thing to get back at him. And Paula's like, I don't do that stuff anymore. I'm about to become a lawyer and pass the bar exam. So she lies to Paula and she's like, he has dirt on you too. He knows that you stalk all your friends and put trackers on them. (laughs) And basically it's just like all this sad shit. And then eventually she convinces Trent to leave her alone anyway, because she's like, I will never love you. And it's like exactly what happens to her because she's like, you know, I used to think love was fate too, but now I know it's not. You need to get over yourself. I will never love you. So she just basically tells him what she learned from being in love with Josh. So like naturally Trent comes back for revenge. Yep. Just like she did. Well, one of Um, the parts is um, because like Rebecca just feels super guilty about like everything that's happened, like lying to Paula and just like everything else um because you know like her and paula have kind of had ups and downs and paula's like really trying to be a good person and so rebecca basically writes out lists of every terrible thing she's done um and she specifically targets this towards three people which is paula nathaniel and josh and so she writes out separate lists for um everything basically trying to apologize and i actually thought this is like a pretty funny moment where she like mixes up the lists. So mm-hmm. like I think Josh gets Nathaniel's and like vice versa. And Josh is like, what do you mean you tried to kill my grandfather? And Rebecca's like, oh shit, nope, that was the wrong list. And <laughs> she also put the fact that she slept with Greg's dad on all three of theirs. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I didn't know who that pertained to. So I just thought I'd tell everyone. No. So basically, Rebecca like confesses to all her sins, basically like in front of her friends, and of course, right after she does that, Trent comes back and is like, "I'm out for revenge." And it's actually funny because in the first season, you know, Trent was sort of like her opposite or her um, counterpart, and Trent kind of does the same thing with the like whole horror movie here, except he's actually unhinged. And he starts sending her like Instagram stories about how he's going to kill Nathaniel. Nathaniel and Mona are having like a, a rooftop housewarming party, I think. And Rebecca's like, oh my God, Nathaniel. And I thought this was, I don't know. It, it felt like kind of abrupt because she like, she ends up being arrested for allegedly pushing Trent off the building. Um, which to be fair she did but in her defense it was in nathaniel's defense but um i don't know it was just like it was very it was almost a little too unbelievable for me i think so she runs into the party and literally sees trent with like a knife over nathaniel's head but no one else sees it because they're like they're like in a hidden alcove so she shoves trent off the balcony and um And then she gets arrested and then they're like, oh, yeah, like we can't even interrogate Trent right now because he fell off the building, which means that. um, And he broke like every single bone. He broke every bone in his body. So he can't talk. (laughs) Well, so Nathaniel like comes in as basically as her lawyer is what he says he is. 
And they sing what is the last song of the season, which is Nothing Is Ever Anyone's Fault, which, to be honest, I thought was a very middle-of-the-road song. Like, I don't yeah. know. Because the last scene is her pleading guilty for her actions because, you know, she talked with Paula about how she needs to take accountability for what she's been doing, which I thought was, like, a fair move. But this song just seemed like it was nothing because it's basically Rebecca and Nathaniel being like, well, it's not our fault because our parents fucked us up. So it's their fault, but then their parents fucked us up. So it's like truly nothing is nobody's fault because everyone just keeps getting fucked over by their parents. And it seems to be this whole like denial thing, but it's almost immediately turned over once Rebecca sees Paula and she's like, no, I need to do this for Paula because Paula still feels super betrayed by like all the things I hid from her. So it, it just feels like the song never accomplished anything, I guess. It's just like Nathaniel being delusional, but also like Nathaniel has broke up with Mona, broken up with Mona. And he's just like, I want to be with you. And she's finally like, okay, for some reason. And then he's like, wow, she would rather go to jail than be with me. <laughs> And that is pretty much where we end things. Yeah. I mean, it is still like a kind of interesting way to set up season four, which like at this point when it aired, we knew was going to be the last season, I think. And so it does kind of set her up for the end game. But it's just like, I don't know. I wasn't super satisfied by it. Yeah, see, that's the thing that makes like no sense because she's like, I'm going to take responsibility for everything. It's like, bitch, you didn't kill him. Yeah, I think... I feel like this season, it was, it's one of the seasons where it's like super high highs, but also like pretty low lows for me. Like I really liked a lot of the stuff this season, but also this season probably had a lot of the stuff that I like just didn't like as much. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's very, it's a very dynamic season. A ton of shit happens in this season also. I feel like season two kind of like, like a bunch of shit happened, but overall the main thing kind of like overall there wasn't that much progress from the beginning to the end um but this season mm-hmm. definitely like a lot oh i love this season i think i feel like i always say this but i think this might be my favorite season <laughs> and i haven't seen season four yet um strip away my conscience and let's generalize about men and after everything you made me do are like really up there songs for me strip away my conscience might be like my favorite song ever i listen to it in the shower all the time it's like (laughs) such a good song to sing along to and like dance to in the shower um did you see that originally they were going to have nathaniel sing settle for her about mona but then they cut that yeah i did it would have totally fit but it's a little offensive for him to sing greg's song yeah i think that's why they (laughs) cut it too right so that was season three and we will be back next month to finish it off with season four which i have a lot of feelings about and cindy hasn't i haven't seen yet i'm so excited yeah get excited about that um Meanwhile, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at bottomlessbway or email us at bottomlessbway at gmail.com. And feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform that you can find this podcast on. And tune in again next month to hear our thoughts on the the series finale and the show as a whole. Yay! Also, 
our finale. <laughs> Almost 30 years I've known something was wrong But mom said weakness causes bloating So I tried to be strong Fake it till you make it That's how I got by And when I tried to find the reason For my sadness and terror All the solutions were trial and error Take this pill, say this chant Move here for this guy But now there's no need for regret Cause I'm about to get a diagnosis A diagnosis Don't tell me no, sister, you don't fit in Doc, prescribe me my tribe, give me my throng Tell me that this whole time I belonged With those other people who share my diagnosis